Today we're going to talk about worry. Today we are going to talk about worry. Can everybody say worry? Worry. worry. Another, another word for worry is fear, right? Worry, fear. Oh no, what's going to happen? The unknown. We get worried. And today our goal is going to be to eliminate the hold of worry and fear on your life. Our goal is going to be to eliminate the hold of worry and fear on your life. Amen? Amen. Anybody want to get rid of worry today? All right, good. All right. Y'all with me? Everybody awake? We good? Okay, this doesn't have to be quiet. Please respond, talk, yell, scream at me, throw a shoe. I'm going to dodge it, though. Especially people sitting in the back. I'm going to really dodge that. You're not that good. Y'all might get me. Today we're going to eliminate the hold of worry on our lives because, you know, we all go through that. Emotions are real. Feelings are real. And the devil will try to utilize those things to hold us down. He'll try to use them. It's okay to feel things. You're not supposed to walk around like this stone-cold robot that doesn't feel anything, right? Feelings are great. It allows us to relate to people. It allows us to empathize for people. It allows us to feel what God is trying to do for us. But... We can't allow the enemy to pervert those feelings and take a hold over our lives. So the first thing I want to challenge us with today is speaking life. Everybody say, speak life. life. It's unfortunate to see Christians walking around day after day after day, aligning themselves with the lies from hell. Aligning ourselves with lies from hell. And you may sit there and be like, no, I don't do that. I don't worship the devil. Like, (laughs) I say good things. I'm nice. I'm always happy. I'm always saying good things. I don't align myself with lies from hell. But let's think about it for a second because the world programs us. We've been programmed. Sorry to burst your bubble. You've been programmed. And we say these things every single day. We speak death over ourselves. We align ourselves with hell. We establish the enemy's kingdom in our life day after day after day. And it puts us in this place where we can't even attempt to grab onto a concept like eliminating worry in our life. What does that look like? How many of you made a mistake today already? Some type of mistake, right? You made a, did something stupid. You forgot something, said something mean. We've all made a mistake, right? What do we say when we make mistakes? You say, man, I'm so dumb. Man, I'm so stupid. Man, I can't believe. And you speak these evil things over yourself, right? I forgot the car keys. How could I be so dumb? I'm such an idiot. Speaking death over yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror. You say, man, why do I look like this? This is ugly. This is fat. This is stupid. I look horrible. Speaking death over yourself. Establishing the enemy's kingdom in your life. And we have to be careful, church, because if we're establishing the enemy's kingdom in our life, when it's time to be used for the kingdom of heaven, we'll be surrounded by all these walls that we've built with just the words that we say that we won't be able to break through them and be used fully. Jesus will be screaming at us, and we won't be able to hear his voice because there's a wall that we've built with the lies that we've established over ourselves. We walk around as Christians, and we disregard what Jesus bought on the cross. We disregard it. I see it every day, and I have, to, I have to personally work on this. Catch myself talking. We identify with lies. I'm sick. I'm depressed. I'm insecure. I'm. I am. I am this negative thing. 
or we call it our own, my, my cancer, my anxiety, my dysfunctional family, my, my, my. We grab onto it and we hold onto it and we call it ours. We call it who we are. We over-identify it. And we take it on and find dignity in it. We have to be careful. I have to be careful. I, t- I say this in DSM all the time. And if the kid sees me and they're like, oh, what's up, man? And I'm like, I'm sick. They're like, what? Like, oh, I'm just kidding. I said, I'm f- not feeling well today. Reprogram it. Reprogram the way you speak. Reprogram the way you think. It's okay to feel things. It's okay to not feel well. That's, we all go through that. We wake up with a cough. We wake up with a little bit of a headache. Whatever it is, we're not feeling well. It's okay not to feel well. But to say, I am sick. I am sickness. When this word says, by his stripes we are healed. There's a disconnect there. And we're speaking death over ourselves. So we have to be careful. Reprogram yourself. Reprogram yourself. Speak life. In 2 Timothy it says that I have not given you a spirit of fear. Y'all know the, word, y'all know the verse? But of power, love, and a sound mind. This is my little brother Masi's favorite verse. He says, if you, he gets really scared sometimes. He's like, I don't want to go in there. It's dark. I don't want to go to bed. I'm scared. And if you just start the verse for him, you say, God has not given you a spirit of fear. And he'll tell you, of power and love and a sound mind. That's what God's given you. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. He's not giving that to you. Stop speaking it over yourself. So the problem with the worry mindset is that the enemy will use it to control you. The enemy will use it to control you. I want everybody to just close your eyes for a second. Think about what you're worried about. Think about that thing that you're worried about. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your finances, your marriage. You're not where you thought you should be in life right now. You're not as far along as you should be. Your health isn't where it should be. Think about it. What are you worried about? And Lord, as we get into this message today, I just pray that your words will move over this room. Less of me, more of you in this moment right now, God. Fill the hearts and minds of each person today and give perspective that will change lives. Break the chains of worry off of these people right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your presence and we love you. Amen. So, a worry mindset is an attempt from hell to control you. It'll have you going in the wrong direction. The problem is with worry is that you can have amazing intentions. I want to be an awesome Christian. I want to have an awesome family. I want to be full of faith. My marriage to be full of faith. My business to be successful and built on Christ. I want all these amazing things and your intentions are sitting over here. But what the enemy will attempt to do is get you to worry because if you start to worry, your attention will shift from the things and the promises that God has given you over to the things that enemy has in store for you and the plans that the devil has for you. And how that looks is it's very simple. If he can get you to pay attention and worry, he can change your direction. 
And if he can change your direction, he can determine your destination. And so the problem is, is we sit there and we worry about these things. We lament over these things. How am I going to do it? How am I going to live? Who's going to take care of me? How's my business going to thrive? I don't know what to do. I'm nervous. I'm worried. I can't let this thing go. My family's going to be messed up. And you start to turn in that direction because that's where you're paying your attention. And that direction starts to go further and further and further. And then you end up in the destination where your worry is trying to take you. And you look back and you say, God, I had the best intentions in the world. I had the best intentions of having an amazing Christian family, to having an amazing marriage, an amazing business, to live my life full of peace and the fruits of the Spirit. How did I end up over here in bondage? How did I end up over here so far away from what I had intended to do? How did my heart turn direction? It's because we worry. We're worried. And all the enemy has to do is get you to pay attention to the wrong thing. So your attention determines your direction. Your direction determines your destination. It's the principle of the path. It's simple. But it's hard because the enemy knows, right? Our feelings are strong. Our emotions are strong. And so if he can get you to grab onto it, if he gets you to identify with it, he'll get you to end up where he wants you to go. Three things that worry has us doing. Three things that worry has us doing. We're going to start with that, but before we do, I know some people in here might be like, oh, I'm not worried about anything. I see some of y'all looking at me. I see some of you looking like, I'm not worried. I'm great. My life is great. My family's great. My business is great. I got money. I got everything. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm fine. But let me remind you of something. Two years ago, I remember I went to Costco, and all you unworried people were doing some very unholy things to grab that 89-pack of toilet paper (laughs) back (laughs) that has lasted you to this day. (laughs) For all you unworried people (laughs) looking at me like, oh, this this ain't for me, this ain't about me. Who was ready to kill somebody about that 98 pack of toilet paper? <laughs> when they told you everybody was gonna die and for some reason toilet paper was the fix. <laughs> don't sit there and pretend like you don't be worrying about nothing. <laughs> like, no, the devil can't make me worry. Okay. I saw y'all at Costco. <laughs> don't lie to yourself. <laughs> you be worried too. <laughs> The first thing that worry has us doing is preparing for the worst. Everybody say preparing for the worst. Preparing for the worst, we start to speak death. We start to speak fear over our future. We look at things. We say, oh, man, this is going to be tough. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be upset. You start to prepare for the worst case scenario. Has anybody ever gone into a situation and said the worst they can say is, right, We do that. All of us do that. We walk into and say, the worst they can say is no, or the worst they could say is you're fired, or the worst they could say is get out of my face. We walk into those scenarios and we say, oh, what is the worst case scenario? Let me prepare for the worst. Sometimes we have very hard things ahead of us and we say, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to be so tired. I'm going to be so sad. I'm going to be so hurt. I had this week. This week was tough for me. I knew it was going to be tough. I had to do this summer lunch thing every day, which was like VBS, every single day we had for our church uh, on the west side. 
We did VBS every single day. And we had Joshua. So we did Monday through Friday VBS. We had Joshua Kids Saturday. I had to preach four times this week. And this past Monday was the anniversary of my closest friend dying and my dog getting killed. I knew it was going to be a tough week. But throughout the week, every time that feeling crept in of saying, you need to worry, you need to be afraid, you need to be worried about if you're going to be able to do this. You need to be worried about if you're going to make it to Wycliffe on Sunday and be able to stand up there and preach. I say, God, I would cast all that on you. Take it away. I trust in you. I'm faithful in you. I'm not worried about what's going to happen. I'm not planning for the worst, Lord. May you use every single opportunity I have to serve, to change hearts, to change lives, God. Every message that I preach, God, let the words invade the hearts and minds of these people, Lord, and change their perspective and let them walk in freedom in the fullness of what you want to use them for. That's the posture we have to take. Stop planning for the worst. The second thing it has is doing is shadow boxing. Worry has a shadow boxing. Fighting something that's not there. Fighting something that's not there. Swinging, pow, pow, hitting air. You know, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm just the only psycho in here that does this. But how many of us have ever been in or gone into getting ready to go into a meeting, getting ready to go into a conversation that was going to be a little rocky, a little tough, a little scratchy, and you knew it was going to be maybe a little argument potential there, and you send all of your attorneys and private investigators and criminal minds in your head to gather file cabinets full of data to prepare for said meeting or conversation. Let me break it down for you another way. I know I'm going to have to have a tough conversation with you. Remember when he did that three years ago? Bring that up. So just in case if he says something that's disrespectful, I can pull up what he did three years ago and and counter it with this. And if they say this, then I'm going to counter it with that. And you got your legal team working in your mind, just ready, preparing your case, getting ready for the state. Anybody else do that? Is that just me? Okay. I wanted to make sure I wasn't the only crazy person. Okay. So we do that, right? We get ready. We get ready to fight and we swinging and we're fighting and we going at it, getting ready to go into it. Preparing our case, spending all of our attention and mind and time preparing for the absolute worst, setting up these things in our mind that are getting us ready to fight something that might not even be there. (laughs) We start getting ready to fight an enemy that's not there. It's not there. See, I'm like a horrible, scary movie person. I hate scary movies. I'm like the absolute worst scary movie guy. Like, don't put no scary movie on. I'm leaving the room. I don't care. I don't care if we haven't been together in a long time. You're like, let's all watch it. It's fun. No, I don't care. I'll see you next year, I guess. Like, (laughs) I don't care if the family's in town. I don't care if this is special. No, ain't nothing special for that. I like to sleep. I don't like scary movies. I don't watch them. And (laughs) for me, I think that my definition of scary might be a little different too. So I personally, has anybody ever seen The Invisible Man before? Some of y'all seen The Invisible Man? Ooh, nah. That, ooh, no sir. That movie is straight from the pit of hell. Let me tell (laughs) y'all, some of you that saw it, like it's not even that scary. Listen, (laughs) 
they got me to watch it because they're like, no, it's nothing supernatural. There's no like murdering. It's just like science, whatever. And I'm like, okay, like it's just a scientific sci-fi thriller. I can, I can hang. Boy, they cut that invisible man on. I'm terrified to this day. Listen, (laughs) God is not giving me a spirit of fear. No. So (laughs) that movie's scary. The invisible man, she's fighting this guy who's invisible the entire movie because he has some invisible suit on. It scared the life out of me. I remember I had to move my car in the driveway after we watched it. I walked outside. It was dark. I'm looking around, looking for him. A little blade of grass would move. I'm like, oh, walking like this, trying to make sure ain't nothing out there. I got in my car, closed the door, looked in the rearview mirror, anything moving back there. Reached my hand back, checking the seats. Okay, nobody there. I'm good. I reversed, put it in the driveway get back up to my room looking like this until I go to bed. That's how the devil's got us looking, reaching, searching, trying to grab on to something that's not there, trying to grab on to a lie that isn't even there. It might not even be a fight. And we've prepared. We were over there getting ready to fight. We're fighting something that's not there. I went to a meeting with Pastor Troy a couple of like, days ago even, in our finance office, and they said, hey, how many people have signed up for the retreat? I said, oh, like 50. Awesome. How many people have paid? Two. (laughs) And in my mind, as I'm going into the meeting, I'm getting ready. I'm getting prepared. I'm like, well, if they get mad, I'm going to be ready because I'll say, hey, we've had four successful retreats. we got 70 kids coming to DSM every week. You know, people will donate. I know the congregation will be faithful. They'll get it covered. I was preparing this full argument of things to kind of come back to what they would say if they were angry at me. And I went into that meeting ready to fight. And after I said it, he said, that's cool. We're good. We'll take care of it. It'll get covered. There was no fight. There was no reason to sit there and try to shadow box. There was no reason to sit there and have my criminal masterminds building up this case to get ready for something that was not there. In church, there's things in your life that you are preparing for a fight that is not there. You're preparing for a fight, reaching for some offense that is not there, and that is worry, and that is a lie from hell. This person is offending me. They disrespected me. They might not even be thinking about you. (laughs) Consider that for just a second. Consider that for just a second, and we're going to talk about how to get rid of worry here in a second, but consider just for a minute before you start fighting something that's not there, that they might not even be thinking about you. It's not all about you. And the worst of all these things that the enemy has us doing is when we're worrying is we strike out. We strike out. We swinging and missing. There's opportunities. There's so many opportunities that God wants to use you for. There's so many different rooms that you are in that I will never see. There's people that you are interacting with that I will never talk to. There's family members that you are responsible for. There's workers, co-workers, friends, everybody that God has placed in your life for a reason that we are striking out because we are paying attention to worry. How many of y'all went to 4th of July this last couple weeks? How many people at work have you passed by? How many friends have you talked to that needed you? That coworker that's always going through hell. And we worried about something else. We're focused on our worry. My depression, my anxiety, my insecurity. 
I can't talk to that person. I am depressed. I am insecure. I am in bondage. We're striking out. In church, we see it in our nation on a grand scale. Take it beyond what you are missing at work. I saw this movie last night. It's called Voices of Freedom, Sound of Freedom. Go see Sound of Freedom. We are striking out. There is more people in trafficking and slavery now than ever in the history of this planet. Church, we're striking out. We are worried about the wrong thing. We are worried that if they use oat milk or almond milk and whatever else in our lot, say we worried about the clothes, we worried about the... We are worried about what everybody in our neighborhood is going to think, what our friends are going to think, what our kids think. We're worried about the wrong things. And that's not to say that we have the answers on how to stop those things, but I do know that the prayers of the saints availeth much and that God hears us. And we have, how, and I know we haven't been praying for that. After I watched that movie, I was convicted. I said, I know I haven't been praying for that. I know we haven't been praying for that. We don't wake up every day and say, on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, break those chains. Free those people. We don't do it. We're striking out. And God wants to use us. So today, the way we are going to get rid of worry, the way we are going to combat this, the way we're going to get off of this, is by turning our worry into worship. Everybody say worry to worship. Amen. Have faith. Run to him first is the first step to turning our worry into worship. you got to run to God first. He has to be number one. This book has to be number one. And you say amen, but maybe we haven't been doing that very successfully. When I say this book, I mean quite literally picking this up and reading it. Picking this up and putting these scriptures in your heart. First. Not your YouTube pastor, not your podcast, not your spouse. None of those things come before this. This is first. Not your best friend. Let me tell you what just happened to me. No, this, this first. Number one, run to him first. First and foremost. And the world is going to attempt to put every single thing in between you and this. And tell you to turn to every single thing before you turn to this. No, you need to go relax. You need to go drink. You need to go get you a glass of wine and and, and soak your feet. You need to go do some yoga that's, that's worshiping Satan. Christian yoga. You can't have both of those things in the same sentence. I'm sorry. You need to go get some crystals and put them around your room. You need to watch that porn. You need to hit that. No. This first. This first. In Mark 4, we see Jesus and the disciples crossing this lake after they got done preaching. And they're with two different boats. They're going down the, across the lake. And suddenly a storm hits. Anybody know the story? Heard this before? A storm hits the boats. Disciples are freaking out. They're losing their minds. We got to die. This boat's about to sink. I'm so worried. I'm scared. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? There's lightning crashing. The waves are hitting. They're like, we're dead. We're done. They're responsible for Jesus. I can't imagine personally if I was responsible for getting Jesus across the lake and we were about to drown. 
Be like, man, they're going to write me in history as the person that, <laughs> that drowned the Messiah. Man, they're freaking out. And it says they look in the front of the boat and Jesus is there taking a nap. Taking a little Jesus nap on a nice pillow. He probably had like the nice Tempur-Pedic ones that they sleep number. He, I just imagine it. He's probably taking a good nap. He had like the, you know, when you wake up, you got the marks on your face. A little sweat right here on the neck. Jesus was up there taking a good nap. And the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, wake up. We're going to die. And Jesus is like, man, what? come on, man. And he stands up in the middle of the storm. He says, peace, be still. And the storm stops. And the disciples are in awe. They say, who is this that the waves and wind obey his command? And then he looks at them and he says, ye of little faith, have you not seen me? Have I not been with you through all of these things? Have you not seen me perform miracles? And church, I'm here to tell you today that if you run to him first, if you run to him in the middle of that storm, if you run to him before you run to anything else, he will stand up in the middle of your situation, in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that waves, in the middle of that fear. He will look at it in the eye and he will tell it to be still. Peace, shalom, right now in Jesus' name. But you have to have faith to run to him first. First and foremost, not before anything. There can't be any other God before him. There can't be any other gods before him. It doesn't matter what it looks like. The waves and wind know his name. There's nothing in your life that he cannot tell to sit down and be quiet. And he's waiting on you. Jesus is up there sleeping. You're over here running, trying to figure it out. Let me watch this YouTube video. Let me read this podcast. Let me Run to him. He's right there in the front of the boat taking a nap. Wake him up and tell him, I need you. I need you. He's with you. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing, but by everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We have no reason to be anxious. We have no reason to be anxious. Give him your heart. Give him your worries. Give him those emotions that are saying you can't do this. Go run to him with it. That storm that's going on, go straight to him. With thanksgiving, too. You just says right here, stop wasting your time being sad about it. You don't even got to be sad. You might feel it for a second, but you say, oh, I don't even need to hold on to this. I don't got to cry about this. He's got it. I don't have to sit here and dwell and sit in these hard emotions and stay in bondage of striking out and shadow boxing because I can just run right now with thanksgiving and say, Lord, take this. I know you got it. I have faith in you. The second step of turning our worry into worship is getting off the throne. Get off the throne. Everyone say, get off the throne. (sighs) This one's hard. This is, out of all the things that we need to do, this is the hardest. 
Because as humans, we love to be on the throne. We love to control. We love to feel like we have control of every single thing. And we attempt to control every single piece and part of our life and compartmentalize every little thing so that we can have an understanding of it, so that we can feel secure in controlling it. That's why people are so controlled in saying, I am this, I am that, this is my, because they understand it. We go to therapy over and over and over again to talk about our hurt feelings and we over-identify them and we unpack them and we analyze them week after week after week after week. And then it becomes who we are and we hold on to it and we say, my depression, my anxiety, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. This is who I am. This is why I act the way I act. I'm not fixing anything because I am broken and this is where I'm going to stay and this is what I understand and I'm going to hold on to it. This is my throne. I'm in control of this. I understand this. This is mine. And church, when we do that, when we sit on God's throne, not only are we neglecting him and his power, but we are doing things in our own strength. And how many of you know you are not strong enough to take on this world? Amen? (laughs) If it was on my strength, if it was in my image, if this was made under me, There'd be a lot of bad things happening, right? I have some really bad ideas, some really bad thoughts, especially when somebody gets on my nerves. It's like, that's eject button, right? (laughs) That's it, right, yeah. Self-destruct, boom. (laughs) So you're playing a video game. If it was under your authority, if it was under your power, this world would not look very pretty. It wouldn't last very long, right? In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It doesn't say I can do all things through me who gives me strength. We got to get off the throne. It is not your job to control everything. It is not your job to even know what to do. It's not your job to try to control the outcomes of situations. You have to have faith to say, God, I'm relying 100% on you, and I can do all things through you who gives me strength. I'm not going to sit here and try to people please. I'm not going to sit here and try to worry. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure it all out and control every little piece of my marriage and my friendships and my kids' lives. No, God, I trust in you. And you alone, I see it every single Thursday in DSM. I have parents that don't send their kids to DSM. They say, well, I have, I've had parents come to me and say, my kid is identifying as pansexual. My kid is identifying as a cat. I had that. My kid is identifying as non-binary. What do I do? I said, who is your kid? I've never seen them in one of our services. I said, well, they have soccer and, and dance and horseback riding and baseball and basketball. And they, why are they in all those things? Why, why don't they come to DSM? Well, because all their friends and all the people in my community send their kid to this thing too, so I have to do it as well. I said, I can't help you. I said, you have to make a decision to either trust in God and what he can do or trust in this world and what the people around you are telling you that your kid needs according to the society that you live in. I can't do anything. You're sitting on the throne thinking that you're going to control the outcome of all these situations and by sacrificing your kid to the powers and principalities of this world, they're going to end up in some school with a scholarship. 
when in reality they're going to go with this problem of bondage because all they know how to do is serve themselves and they're going to have an addiction problem and they're going to have all these things that are going on and not know who they are in a world that's telling them to kill themselves every single day. You have to get off the throne because your ideas are not good. What you see is not good. It has to be by his strength. And it's the same thing with your own life. I see it. It's not just kids. People stay in these toxic relationships. People stay locked into only pursuing money. They neglect their actual life. They neglect the people around them. I have to get this career. I have to get this house. I have to have this marriage. I have to have this friendship. I have to have everybody looking at me feeling like I'm important. I see y'all on Facebook making sure it's known how you feel. This desire to be on the throne. And we don't do it in the real world. I've never seen any of you walk into a building at Target, Costco. We don't go to Target anymore. But at Costco, or we go into a building, and I've never seen you grab the mop bucket and start cleaning up some bathrooms for the cleaning man. Anybody ever just walk in and be like, oh, this place looks dirty. Here, let me help you. You would never do that. Your coworker, oh, they have a lot of paperwork because they've been lazy. Let me just help them and do their work and my work too. You wouldn't do that, especially not the one that gets on your nerves, <laughs> right? When is it okay in the real world to go and sit on somebody else's chair and do their job? It's not. But with God, it's like we walk into this throne room and you see it in the movies and they have the king's throne sitting up there and they're like, ooh, let me go sit in it for a minute. See how this feels. Oh, yeah, this feels good. I'm the Lord of my life. I can control everything. And then you start to make these decisions. I'm this. I'm depressed. I have anxiety. I'm worried. I'm insecure. I'm going to live according to the rules of this world. You start to lose. You start to end up in bondage. And worry is controlling you. Get off the throne. Get off the throne. Say, Lord, you're in control. I trust you. I have faith. I don't have to worry. In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus said this. He said, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important or valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry saying, what shall we wear or what shall we drink or what shall we eat? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Put that in your heart.
if God cares about these birds out here and he cares about these beautiful flowers, how much more does he care about you? Worrying is not going to add a single day to your life and it won't give you an ounce of control over what's going to happen. You better let it go. The king that sits on this throne says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first what he has to say in this word. And all of these things will be added unto you. All of them. You don't got to worry. I know that's hard. Because you're taught, you're programmed every single day since the time you're born. This is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to worry about. You need to go here. You need to go there. You need to... And those things are great, and achievements are awesome, and accomplishing things are an amazing thing, and having all these amazing things is great, but this has to come first. Seek first. So what's the point of gaining everything if you're completely lost and in bondage? What's the point? You have everything in the world, and you're depressed? When you see millionaires killing themselves... People that are at the top of the world in bondage, all they know how to do is chase their own selfish desires, make themselves feel good. That's not what we want. That's not what God has for you. Seek first and he'll add all those things onto you. Get off the throne. The last one is root yourself in him. Root yourself in him. We have to make his word the greatest influence in our life. I want everyone to repeat after me. Say, God, your word is the greatest influence in my life. Wake up and say that every day. God, your word is the greatest influence in my life. The greatest influence isn't what's on CNN or Fox News or whatever you watch. The greatest influence isn't the people that live in my neighborhood, my friends, my family, my kids, my spouse. The greatest influence in the world, God, is your word and your word alone. And that is what I live by. That is the what I make my decisions by. That is how I think. That is how I move. That is how... Everything I do is filtered. If it doesn't go through this, I don't want it. And God, allow me to never forget to put it through this filter. Because the, wor- the world is going to lie to you. The world's going to tell you to focus on everything but this. The world's going to tell you you're not enough. You're a failure. You need to be worried about this. You need to be worried about the world ending. Go buy toilet paper. That's what the world does. And we run to it. Ah, gotta get to Costco. The world is going to have you looking stupid, man. In bondage. Locked up. Going in the opposite direction of where you were intended to go. Fill your heart with his word. Be rooted in him. When you're rooted in him, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am the healed of the Lord. He has plans to prosper me. I'm seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Look how he takes care of all these things. I don't have to worry about the situation. Mark 4, he stood up and said, peace be still. He died on the cross for me. It's already paid for. You can go through each and every step of this word and look at it and say, I don't have to worry. My faith is built upon this. I'm standing on this foundation. And as you fill yourself with his word, you will be filled with the perspective of heaven. And when you walk through life and there's a building in front of you, a skyscraper in front of you, a mountain in front of you, a storm surrounding you, 
It'll be like when you take off in an airplane and you see the city beneath you just get smaller and smaller and smaller. When you fill yourself with his word, when you fill yourself with his perspective, you see things the way heaven sees them. And to where the world around you would say, oh, they're going through hell. That's going to kill them. That's going to shake them. That's going to make them go crazy. You're coasting above it in the perspective of heaven looking down where it makes skyscrapers look like toys. Makes mountains look tiny little hills. People look like ants. There's nobody in front of you. Stop fighting. You have the perspective of heaven available to you. You have the access to that Holy Spirit. So today as we get ready to close, I just want everybody to stand up. And I just want to challenge you, like I did in the beginning of this message, to reprogram. Reprogram. Stop thinking about what the world has to say. Stop thinking about what the world is trying to do and lie to you about. It's enough time planning for the worst. We've spent enough time planning for the worst. You need to plan for the best. And say, I know God has something great for me. Even if this looks terrible, even if this week looks horrible, even if this week looks like it's going to be the worst thing ever, I don't think I'm going to make it to Wycliffe on Sunday and be able to preach. I know God's going to use me. No matter what. Stop shadow boxing. Fighting something that's not even there. God, give me the perspective of heaven. Invade my thoughts right now. Invade my heart right now so I'm stopping paying attention to things that aren't even trying to come against me. Stop letting the enemy deceive me, Lord. Allow me to see that person that I'm getting ready to fight the way you see him. Show me their heart. Show me how they're feeling, God. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Stop striking out. See, I'm done striking out. God, I'm paying attention to what you have for me. I'm rooting myself in you. I'm filling my heart with your word. And I'm saying I'm done striking out. Show me what I've missed. God, give me another chance to go back and reach those people I missed. Those family members, those co-workers. Those friends that I didn't say that thing I knew I should have said to. Give me that chance, God. Please, I won't drop the ball again. I'm done striking out, done worried, done worrying about it, done worrying about what the world has to say. Church, as we close today, I just want you to make that your heart's desire. What I would like to do before you head out that way, I'd like to invite everybody up to the altar, and I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over each and every person that will allow me to. I want to pray over you, and I just want to pray that the spirit of worry has no place in your heart. I want to pray that there is going to be a breakthrough in your life, that the things that have been previously holding you back, the things that have been previously hindering you from moving forward, the things that have had you shadow boxing and had you striking out, preparing for the worst, they'll have to go right now in Jesus' name. And if, as I pray for you, feel free to stay up here and worship or head out if you need to go. But for my last and final thing I want to say to you is just let God use you. Fill your heart with his word and let him use you. He's got a plan for each and every one of you. Let him be the Lord of your life. 
fill your heart with his word and walk in the confidence that you have the perspective of heaven and the backing of heaven and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In Jesus' name. So live right, love everybody, and pray hard. I'm going to come around and pray for each person as you go. Be blessed. Amen.